and hot hot tamales. Oh. Tamales. Whoosh. <laughs> he just reminded me of those Bush commercials. Bush. Bush. Ah. Ah, okay. All right. So, yep. here we go. Let's do it. Hello and welcome to another episode of Secret Level, a Geek Tyrant production. I'm your host, Joey Parr. Joining me today is the brilliantly fantastic Billy Fisher. I, I don't even know what to say to that. That was amazing. Thank you. Heck yeah, dude. Today we're going to discuss the delightfully wonderful, energetic, funny, brilliant, amazing, happy, sad, incredible, fantastic. Did I say fantastic? No. Sweet. Slightly dark. Very dark, actually. Yeah. Very excited about this movie. Willie Walker in the Chocolate Factory. I love this film so much. So, is, so much. It is one of the greatest films ever made. There's a lot to unpack in this movie. Absolutely. After watching it again for the thousandth time, it still makes me laugh through the whole thing out loud. Gene Wilder is insanely funny in this film. This is one of the best things he's ever done. I think a lot because he's, he's done a lot of great things. I know, that. but man, he's just so brilliant in this. Bringing Willy Walker, him bringing Willy Walker to life is incredible. Absolutely. It, it's interesting because Roald Dahl didn't even want him to be in the movie. Right. He was totally against it. Did not want Gene Wilder, did not envision him in the role of Willy Wonka, but he gave one of the greatest performances ever as Willy Wonka. So it's clear Dahl wasn't happy with the casting of Gene Wilder. And also after he was hired, he didn't like his performance. It just was not who he had in his head for Willy Wonka. He thought Wilder's portrayal of Wonka was pretentious and insufficiently gay in the old-fashioned sense of the word. Mm -hmm. uh, I thought he was too bouncy. Okay. He felt Wonka should have been a very British eccentric and felt oh. that G. Wilder was too soft and that his voice was light and that he had a rather sweet face. Yeah. But he, I mean, that's kind of the thing though. Like it was all deception. Yeah. Like, and when we do our movie quotes, it's part of that too. Like I, he, he said everything softly, things that should have been impactful, but because no one was listening to him anywhere or taking his advice, it, it was all perfect. It was, I just think Roald Dahl was mad that they didn't take his suggestions into consideration. I could see that. I could see that. But again, you just can't beat Gene Wilder. Heck no. On this role. And he should have won all the awards ever, ever for that role. Yes. Because no, no one can attain that level of greatness. Yeah. I mean, and the thing is, too, is that it was, it came from such a genuine level. Like it, it didn't come out of, you know, he's not pandering to the audience, he's playing as this guy who's just looking for something pure and innocent would play it. Like, it's just, there's a lot going on with it. And we're going to have to talk about that. Cause I know there's a lot of other people up for the role, but they'd made the right choice in casting him. And it's pretty crazy because he didn't play the role for a laugh. He played it honestly. And he played it as a person that is coming at it with an innocence and with a, a, a trust that, you know, the one person that's going to take over the factory is going to, come out of the same way he does not for money but for the love of the company and innocence it's and crazy. darkness and darkness because there's dark willie wonka's got a dark heart <laughs> but it's to his benefit it is it is and considering the people that were in line for the movie i'm so glad they chose him because anybody would have been good but gene wilder was perfect gene wilder was freaking brilliant in this movie 
I just don't think anyone can bring that level of greatness to this character. Again, Johnny Depp yeah. couldn't do it. I don't think anyone else could. I think what it is is that that was kind of the role that he was made for. I mean, we've seen a lot of people, a lot of actors do really good in a lot of films, but there's one role that you specifically remember them for. They're made for that role, and this was his. There's, I mean, I mean, no, young Frankenstein, close. Yeah, great young. Love him, young young Frankenstein. Uh, Blazing Saddles, brilliant. He did yeah. a bunch of other great movies in the '80s, but for me, his role of Willy Wonka is my favorite role that absolutely he's, that he's played. Before we jump into Willy Wonka, mm-hmm. Billy, yes, sir. What's something that you? you know, came across this week that you want to talk about or whatever. Well, I'm still in the middle of Dexter and we're back to Dexter. Saying, yes. Okay. So we're in the middle of season three and a new season three is going to be crazy because the minute that you see Jimmy Smith show up in a role, you know, things are going to go sideways real quick. But other than that, I'm just saying Michael C. Hall is probably one of the greatest actors at portraying a true psychopath that I've ever seen. Because it's not just in the acting of the words he says, it's in his facial expressions when he, he can go from, I just killed somebody to, oh, hey, Rita, how you doing today? You know, I'm like, that's so crazy, dude. The, the, the switch that he flips is insane. Uh, okay, so we just started it. I'm really excited about it because you can tell he's got something, something, something's going on. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm just really excited. It's a fun show. I'm glad I waited till now to watch it because i can binge it <laughs> you know i don't have to wait a week to find out what happens unlike the I, rest of this right <laughs> everybody else who watched it when it came out i am sorry but yeah this is great season two was a nail biter i know there's more seasons so i knew dexter was going to get out of it but still <laughs> him him versus dokes is one of the greatest rivalries in television history that was i'm sad he i'm sad he went out in season two yeah it's good can't wait to see what uh, you think about what's coming up next. I know. Everybody says to watch out for this last season. I'm just going to ignore that until it happens, and then I'll let you know. Yep. My, I'll, I'll, I won't spoil anything, but my favorite season is the one with John Lithgow. Okay. Nice. So I mean, Now I'm excited to see him. You'll be happy. Well, you might not be happy. I'm, I'll jump. <laughs> Look, dude. I have a thing for John Lithgow. Anything that he's in, I want to see it because he's one of my all-time favorite actors. I mean, and you're gonna just in everything. You're gonna yeah. love it. I'm super stoked. Awesome. Yeah. What about you? What's What's new with you this week? Or what? Now that you're done with Saint Elsewhere, what are you doing to fill your time? I am watching a bunch of old movies. What are you watching? I have started watching a bunch of old. Val Luton films, old RKO movies. Oh, fantastic. So uh, one that I just watched recently was Isle of the Dead, which is fantastic. It stars Boris Karloff, one of my all-time favorite actors. Love Boris Karloff. So Yeah, Boris Karloff. I mean, there's a lot we can say. But we're going to leave that for later episodes because I'm sure we're going to do a whole Boris Karloff, Bela Lugosi situation. Yes. And it's interesting because watching this movie, this is one of the films that I had never seen before. Okay. I've never seen it either. And it's interesting because it's set in 1912 Mm -hmm. and several people are trapped on an island and they're being quarantined because of a plague, which is interesting because... The situation that the world has been in over the past, you know, I had no idea. Like, I didn't really know exactly what I was getting myself into when I watched it. So it was kind of interesting to see the parallels between when this movie is made and present day. Right. But, yeah, so there's supernatural stuff happening. One suspects that a young girl on the island is kind of a vampire demon. Mm Mm-hmm called uh they call it for volica i think that's how you pronounce it my next child is going to be named i hope so philly yep yep there we go no i mean i've always wanted to go down the val luton library so this is something that we should probably 
there's a lot to his story, so we could yes probably and, do an episode just on him, not on an individual movie, but on his story. That would be cool. Yeah, that would be cool. But yeah, so Val Luton, great producer in the 30s and 40s, uh, made some great horror movies for our camp. Awesome. All right, well, let's get to one of our favorites. Let's get behind the scenes of Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Yep, and before we start, I'm going to go ahead and read the synopsis for you because, you know, those synopsis can be very detailed. So here we go. A sweet boy from a poor family dreams of finding one of five golden tickets hidden inside chocolate bar wrappers, which will admit him to the eccentric and reclusive Willy Wonka's magical factory. One after another, tickets are discovered by ghastly children. But will the lad find the last remaining one and have all his dreams come true? Willie, Billy? Willie? Sure hope so. The synopsis is asking you. <laughs> and I will not talk to the synopsis. But one of the first things I want to talk about, Billy, uh -huh. is how the movie begins. Okay. The movie starts with all these kids running into the chocolate candy shop, right? Uh, yes. And the candy man's in there. He's singing. Yes. And the candy man is throwing candy at these kids like it's like it's nothing. Like he's just handing them suckers, throwing gumballs all over the place, putting his hand in these jars of candy and just throwing them out at the kids. And the kids are just like eating up. He's pouring soda for them and they're drinking it from him. He's not asking for any money. No, he's not. He is just throwing candy at these kids and they're just eating it all up. And then you have poor Charlie sitting there at the window, just kind of looking in like, man, I wish I could get in on this action. Right. The thing is, is he totally could. He just has to go inside the store and join the party. And then, so, and then the candy man will just throw candy at Charlie. Charlie could just enjoy it like all the other kids who aren't paying for the candy. Right. Well, I think one of two things happened in this scenario. Either one, Bill the Candyman just went on a freaking quick, you know, he had, he had a quick break with reality and was like, give these kids what they want. Dude, he even, he even invites the kids behind the counter. Yeah, he's like, just take just, it. He was, I'm at it, kids. I'm at it. Take it all. He was just done. He was done being a candy man for that moment. And then when they all walked but out, he was like, was it because he was seeking about how he, much he loves being a candy man. That's why I think it's scenario number two. I think that was all played out in Charlie's head. Like he sees all the kids in there getting the candy that he wants and having the good time that he wants to have. I think it's just him imagining what life would be like on that side. I don't know. All I know is when Charlie, when Charlie comes in later to get chocolate, He's like, Ahem. he hands him the bar, remember? And then he's like, Ahem. you give me that money, Charlie. Well, he's got to pay for that party he had the day before. <laughs> he's like, yes. Shit, I gave away all the candy. I got to pay for this. Yeah. Ah, the candy man always gets me. Always. Or he just doesn't like Charlie. One of the two. Yeah. Do you know Sammy Davis Jr. wanted to be the candy man? That seems appropriate. I mean, I, I know he sang the song. I know that was what he did. Yeah, it's. One of his most successful songs of all time. Nice. But he didn't get a chance to play it. And it's kind of a cover. That's the thing. Uh, the director, Mel Stewart, he just did not like the idea because he felt the presence of a big star in uh -huh. that role that would have broken reality. As if throwing candy to kids for free isn't already breaking reality. The whole right. movie kind of breaks all kinds of reality, but I don't know. No, I would have loved to see yes, Sammy Davis in that role, though. Come on, man. I think people would have enjoyed it. I think it would have brought more uh, whimsy to. Well, not only that, but it would have brought more clout to the film. Like, right. hey, man, we got Sammy Davis Jr. in our movie, suckers. Right. I mean, that, I mean, that's the thing. That's like top billing to get people in the seats. Sammy, at, don't get me wrong. I love the scene. Actually, that's one of my favorite songs of all times. I, I will sing it randomly throughout life. <laughs> but to have Sammy Davis Jr. do it would have been, in the movie, would have been. Yeah, because he did it. He he recorded the song 
a year after the movie came out and it was just a huge hit. Yeah. And oh, well, I mean, you live and you learn. Next time you got to cast Sammy Davis Jr. as your Candyman. Also, not in the Candyman series, in the Candyman in Willy Wonka. Not, you know, don't get the world's crossed. <laughs> also, in that scene, I don't know if you noticed this or not, mm-hmm. but when Bill, he's like, at, right after he's like pouring sodas for the kids, uh-huh. he flips open the bar for the kids to come in. Right. And he whacks one of the kids in the face when he does it. <laughs> So it's a stormtrooper moment. It's so great. It's a, a little girl. So it's oh, for knock the little girl on the chin. You can see the girl's head just go, just like fly back. In case she's listening, we're not laughing at you. We're laughing with you. We're laughing at the situation. <laughs> the candy man giving out all the candy is also abusing children. Wouldn't the, um, Overuse of candy be abusing children also? I mean, I think Bill's got a much darker side than we know. You know, maybe there needs to be a spinoff film on Bill. Yes, maybe there is. Dang. That's deep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I had to get that out there. And then after the whole after the whole Candyman scene's done, mm-hmm. Charlie's walking home, right? He's walking past the chocolate factory, and he passes a guy... Who's carting around a cart of knives? Yes, the knife guy. And he's doing buddies with who? What's the heck? Whose job is it in this town to just push around a cart of knives? I'm sure he's like the town knife sharpener or whatever, but. And then just to randomly be like, nobody ever goes in, nobody ever comes out. But I mean, who else can deliver that line besides the local knife sharpener? No I, one. That's per- I, I just think that's- it's great that this, this town's got a knife, a guy carting around deadly knives. Right. <laughs> yeah, I like it. So funny. So it was payday for Charlie on that day. After he walks away from the candy man, he goes to the guy with papers, you know, because he delivers papers like, hey, it's, pay- uh-huh. it's payday. Guy's like, oh, yeah, you're right, Charlie, here's some money. And then he goes home with a loaf of bread, and everyone's shocked. Uh-huh. But he's got this loaf. Where'd you get that? It's payday. I got paid today, and I thought I'd buy his bread. What, what, so what if I did steal it? So what? Right. Which is Grandpa, which is Grandpa Joe's. What does it matter where he got it? Right. The point is, he got it. Grandpa Joe's a lot shadier than people look at him for i i watched it this time with kind of an eye on grandpa joe and things <laughs> there's some weird stuff going on with grandpa joe in that in that movie but we'll we'll talk about that in a minute well speaking of grandpa joe charlie's like i'm gonna pay for your tobacco from now on grandpa it's like oh no i'm giving it up you don't have to pay for my tobacco it's like no grandpa i'm paying for it and he gives grandpa his like last bit of money for his tobacco they're they're eating cabbage soup Mm-hmm. And Charlie's like, I'm going to pay for your tobacco, Grandpa. Where is Grandpa getting his money anyway <laughs> at this point? And where is he getting out of bed to go get his tobacco? At one point, he actually comes back with the chocolate bar to surprise Charlie with it. It's like, did Grandpa Joe get out of bed to surprise Charlie? Or is the guy just somebody, is the knife guy carting around chocolate bars too? From door that's, to door. I, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Grandpa Joe's got a secret life. We're going to talk about this in a little bit, but I because I've I noticed some things this time around that I was like, oh, Grandpa Joe, you slick son of a bitch. He's he's playing everybody. <laughs> he totally playing is. them. He is, man. Joe. Ah, yeah. I, he's not all. Plus, the these. Grandpas and grandmas, the, the, this foursome of old people laid the same bed of filth. I don't even know, man. Ugh, it smells got to be awful. It's got to be awful. I'm just like, oh my gosh, what a nightmare <laughs> that would be. I don't even know how this is playing out. Right. 
poor Charlie's mom goes to work every day making clothes soup all day long. You know, yeah, just stirring up that clothes soup and hanging them up. It's, I don't know. Grandpa Joe better be ashamed of himself. Grandpa Joe has no shame. Again, we'll get into Grandpa Joe some more later on. And then also the actor who played Grandpa George, mm-hmm. Ernst Ziegler, he was in World War One. Wow. And he was nearly blinded by poison gas from his time serving in the war. So his acting had to come from a red light. They would shine a red light around that he could see to guide where he should be looking. <laughs> As if the grandparents weren't broken enough. I, I mean, they legit got the broken. It's true. As, uh, it's just the... I don't know, those, those grandparents in, in that bed. I don't even know what to say. <laughs> uh, just be thankful that you don't have grandparents living in your house right now. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah. The movie was financed uh-huh. by the Quaker Oats Company. They wanted this film to tie in with the new candy bar that they were releasing. Mm-hmm. So the movie was renamed from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory to Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory in order to promote this tie-in candy. Right. When the film was released, the company started marketing its Wonka bars, and there was an error in the chocolate formula that pretty much just caused the bars to melt too easily. So they would sit in the windows or on the shelves of these stores, and they'd melt. (laughs) Uh, thank goodness this is a good movie. Uh, so like this whole $2.5 million production that they put together to promote their candy bar, the candy bar they made was not very good. It just wasn't that sturdy. I just thought that was hilarious. It is. You know. I, that's what I'm saying. I'm thankful that the movie was good because, man, they would have lost a lot of money had it been bad. Yep. That's true. And remember how we talked about earlier how uh, Roald Dahl didn't want Gene Wilder in the role of Willy Wonka. Uh-huh. There were several other people who wanted the role who were actively trying to get the role. Okay. And those were the six members of the Monty Python group. <sighs> Graham Chapman, John Cleese, Eric Idle. Terry Gilliam, Terry Jones, and Michael Ballin all wanted to be Willy Wonka. They all expressed interest in taking on the role. But at the time, they were deemed not big enough names for an international audience. And Peter Sellers actually reached out to Dahl in person in order to ask for the role. And Sellers was Dahl's choice. That's who Dahl wanted in the role of Willy Wonka. But again, it all came down to the director, the producers, and they were like, nope, we're going with Gene over here, which is the smartest choice that they ever could have made. Because the only reason the movie is as great as it is is because of that man. That man. I mean, Sellers could have done it. Would it have been as good? Probably not. It would have been funny. He would have done a lot of gaggy kind of moments, just playing up to the crowd. But I think the innocence that Gene Wilder played the role with made it what it is. Yeah. Well, when they approached Wilder for the role, he said he'd make the film under one condition. Okay. He wanted to do a somersault in the scene when he first meets the children. When asked why, Wilder said that having Willy Wonka start out limping and end up somersaulting would set the tone for the character Wilder wanted to portray him as someone whose actions were completely unpredictable. So his request was granted and his character was completely unpredictable. You never knew what the hell he was going to do next. And I think that kind of set it up that not everything is what it seems when it comes to there. Like showing the kids they're only going to see the what's on the what's on the crust. Yeah. Of the chocolate factory, what's on the crust of Willy Wonka himself. And you never know what's actually going on inside, which I thought it was perfect. It set the whole tone for what's going to happen next. 
Exactly, because she didn't even know what was going to happen next. <laughs> right. But this is the letter that Wilder wrote to the film's director uh -huh. about that opening sequence. He said, when I make my first entrance, I'd like to come out of the door carrying a cane and then walk toward the crowd with a limp. After the crowd sees Willy Wonka as a cripple, they all whisper to themselves and then become deathly quiet. As I walk toward them, my cane sticks into one of the cobblestones I'm walking on and stands straight up by itself. But I keep on walking until I realize that I no longer have my cane. I start to fall forward, and just before I hit the ground, I do a beautiful forward somersault and bounce back up to great applause. I love that. And the, and the reason Wilder did that is he just wanted to establish Wonka's deceptive and playful nature right off the bat. Yep, and, and it worked. Oh, yeah. When you first see the film, if you've never seen the film before and you're watching it for the first time, man, I would love to have that experience again, by the way. Yeah, it would be great. But when you're watching it for the first time, it's just, everything is a surprise. And Walk's whole attitude and, and personality is so bonkers. You just can't help but love it. No, it, it's fantastic. But Wilder also had a hand in creating the character's wardrobe. Uh -huh. uh, after looking at some sketches of his costume, Wilder sent a letter to the director that detailed the suggestions of his own. And one couple of things he wanted on the costume is pockets in the jacket and a shorter hat. He said, the hat is terrific, but making it two inches shorter would make it more special. And it does. Because it's not your average hat. It's something that... It's was off. Used. Everything in the movie is off. Everything exactly. in the chocolate factory is just askew. Mm -hmm. Nothing is as it should be. And so having Willy Wonka's whole wardrobe and stuff just have that slight offness to it is just perfect attention to detail. Right. It's... Like in the movie, it's just a play in perspective, like with everything from exiting the elevator and getting into the actual chocolate fact. Everything was a messing with your mind with perspective. Yeah. So just kind of informing you, not everything is what it seems. It's kind of cool. I thought that was nice. Yeah. And when it came to the chocolate, the golden tickets that were placed uh -huh. in the chocolate bars, uh -huh. director Mel Stewart initially wanted to reveal that Wonka had strategically placed those tickets in order to give the factory to Charlie. The idea was dropped, but the hits remained that Mr. Wilkinson, a.k.a. Slugworth, conveniently showed up every time a ticket was uncovered. And this is kind of funny. Okay. Well, first of all, all the chocolate bars in the film were made of wood, like Good. the majority of them. But when it comes to Slugworth, and, uh -huh. and his slugginess, uh -huh. it was so funny because even in Violet's scene, when she wins the golden ticket, okay. she's on TV, right? Uh -huh. And she's chewing her gum, she's doing her thing, and the TV, the camera's right on her. You see this creepy, creepy dude like creep in from behind her and start like whispering in her ear. And yeah. like he's doing weird things with his hands and fingers and stuff. And they, they focus on him, like the TV camera. The TV focus on it, and is no one asking what the hell Slugworth is doing on TV? Like, who is this guy? What, what is this, guy this creeper doing to this poor little girl? <laughs> and it just adds to the underlying darkness of the movie, you know what I mean? That the minute you win, you have some creepy dude sneaking up on you, telling you secrets. Yep. That's fantastic. Yeah, it was interesting. And it was fun watching all of the kids in the film win their tickets and seeing what kind of characters they were and what they were going to end up bringing to the story later on, which is, things get absolutely ridiculous for these kids. They have no idea what they're getting themselves into. But before mm. Charlie won his ticket, there was one person that won a ticket that ended up being a fake before Charlie won it. Right. And there's a picture 
held up by the Paraguayan newscaster announcing the finder of this golden ticket. Right. Now, that picture of that man mm-hmm. is actually a Nazi war criminal named Martin Bormann. Uh. <laughs> yes. So they took a Nazi criminal and they put his, they used his image in the film as this guy who won the ticket, okay? hmm Now, Martin Ludwig Bormann was a German Nazi party official. Okay. He was very powerful in the Nazi party, almost like right below Hitler, Hitler's power. This is not, this is, this is funny because this isn't part of the film, but it is because this whole thing of including this guy was meant to be a joke. Right. It just completely, no one got it. It went over everybody's head. He was Hitler's private secretary to control the flow of information and access to Hitler. Uh-huh. After the war, he went into hiding. He was convicted of war crimes and sentenced to hang. Okay. It's believed that he killed himself. But this joke was put into the film that the elusive man in South Africa faking the golden ticket was a wanted Nazi criminal. That was <laughs> the joke. And in the making of book of the film, Pure Imagination, uh-huh. the director acknowledges the joke and said the scene was never as successful as I hoped. <laughs> 25 years after World War II, very few people knew or cared who Borman was. Well, it was a little inside joke for himself then. But it's, it's just kind of interesting that they, they thought including a Nazi war criminal would be a funny joke in a movie. Just uh, a well, little weird tidbit of information that I did not know before I started digging in the research on this movie. Well, I, I guess, I mean, being a Nazi is never a good thing. So I'm glad that joke kind of went over everybody's head until later. Yeah. Yeah. But still, I don't. It would have hurt somebody's. I don't know. I mean, even like, how would culture handle that today? Right? If that this big thing got out that oh my gosh, Willy Wonka the Chocolate Factory had a Nazi war criminal in it as a joke, it's not a well-known fact, so people aren't canceling Willy Wonka. But it's right in that line. Would it? I don't know if yeah. this is a cancel- cancelable offense. I don't know. Pepe Le Pew got the axe, so I mean. I guess anything's never... possible. Yep. But let's get on and move on to the, to the kids entering the factory. Because this is great. Awesome. Now, the director, on purpose, didn't tell the kids a lot of things. Okay. They want... The director wanted the kids to experience things for the first time. So when something big was going to happen, the director would not say what was going to happen. He just let it play out to get a natural reaction from them. Uh-huh. Okay. And so the first big scene of, that they did this with was when the kids enter the chocolate room for the first time and they see the candy gardens and the chocolate river and the chocolate waterfall and all those things, that reaction that you got from the kids, that was all real. That was them seeing this giant football field-sized soundstage turned into Willy Wonka's candy broom for the first time. Yeah, I still, even to this day, every time I watch it, I still get that that awe or amazement in that room because it it's the one place I want to be. I've always wanted to go there. I want to try everything in there. <laughs> yeah, that would be so nice. So a couple of the other scenes that the, the director didn't tell them about was the boat ride with Willy Walker through the cave and the final scene where Willy Wonka yells at Charlie and his grandpa, just goes completely off on him. Uh-huh. They didn't, no one knew that was going to happen in those scenes. At least the kids did. And it's crazy because that boat scene is probably one of my favorite scenes in movie history. It is. Just the look on Gene Wilder's face while all those images are playing out. 
on the side of the tunnel is remarkable. Like, he never lets these kids have a moment to breathe. He's like singing a song where he's like, is it raining? Is it snowing? You know? Is a hurricane blowing? And then he goes, Ah! (laughs) It's fantastic. His little scream is amazing. That scream, that blood curling scream is incredible. But I love that part where he like, after he's done singing, he just goes, ah! Like to shock them and scare them. And then he starts, then then the, the pleasant singing turns into this, this dreadful, nightmarish, mm-hmm. poem-like thing for, like, the pits of hell. And, and also during that boat ride scene, mm-hmm. Wilders was so convincing that it frightened some of the actors. At one <laughs> point, some of them thought Wilder was really going bad from being in the tunnel. <laughs> Uh, but I would too if all of a sudden it was like you hear this yeah it was like a monster <laughs> it is it's one of the most the, the scream and the cutting of the chicken's heads off the head off is two of the most disturbing parts of that that whole scene <laughs> it's, I gotta say yeah that was that was amazing that scene just like made my life Uh, uh, it's like i want to go i want to go on a boat ride like that with gene wilder please man what wouldn't the kid give what wouldn't an adult give to be on a boat ride with gene wilder like that man i missed out (laughs) yeah besides the fact that we weren't even born yet (laughs) i I mean I, i know still oh man and Gene's crazy acting like that. He just kind of went off and did what he did. He just let loose. And Peter Ostrom, the kid who played Charlie in the film, he explained, I wouldn't say it was disturbing, but it was, whoa, Gene is really getting into it today. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at least he understood and it's, it's a process and... He didn't actually think he was being a, a jerk to him when he was yelling at him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that final scene where Gene freaking yells at the kid. Wow, that's pretty intense. Yeah, I I yell, good day, sir, to a lot of people, and nobody really understands where I'm coming from on that Good one. day, sir! <laughs> so after Wonka yells, stop the boat, everything's like back to normal. The insanity just kind of like, fades away and everyone's just is like what the hell was that shit they all get off the boat and Willy Wonka gives an introductory speech in German with an accent I never knew what he said during this so I had to look it up Uh and so what he says in this scene before they enter the inventing room is ladies and gentlemen please give me your attention you now come into the most interesting room of my factory, the most secret room at the same time. Ladies and gentlemen, the inventing room. I just thought that was interesting because I never knew what he said there and I kind of just wanted to know what he said before they entered this room where he's putting shoes in things to give the flavor a little kick <laughs> and coats and mats and vats of candy formula to, to make it warmer I, whatever he's doing in this room is absolutely ridiculous and i love it on so many levels because what we're seeing here is that he is feeding people complete garbage <laughs> it is chocolate <laughs> um. he is putting garbage and trash in his candy and he may he's able to make it taste good right i love that about this i personally okay so i i took it as he's trying to throw these people off 
Do you think he's trying to throw these people off? I think he's trying to throw them off. I don't think he is. I think he's dead 100% serious. Uh, it's one of those it, debatable moments. It is a debatable moment, but I think it's real. Like, I think he's really feeding people junk and trash, and he's just making it taste freaking good because he's doing it on a, on a, on a budget. Right. Well, he's got Oompa Loompas to feed. Because he had other real things in there. Right. Speaking of which, the everlasting gobstopper. Uh-huh. What the hell is that thing? You can suck it and suck it, and it never, and it never goes away never gets any smaller right never gets any smaller the problem is with that everlasting gobstopper it looks like the most uncomfortable thing you'd want to have in your mouth yes why would you you'd want that to shrink you don't want that star-shaped thing in your mouth all the time no (laughs) no no there's no way yeah it's it's ridiculous and i don't approve especially since it's always going to be that size that giant everlasting gobstopper in your mouth right Unless that thing tasted like magic, no way. No way. Yeah, it's always going to be sharp. It's going to give you cut. No, I do not approve of this. It's not Billy approved. It's, well, there you have it, folks. Everlasting gobstoppers are gone. They've been canceled by Billy. Yep. Dang it, Billy. I don't approve. Yeah, but see, okay, so this is why I think it's it's all a joke. Because when you go to the gum... The, you know, the the four-course meal in a piece of gum. Yes. Everything in that looks quasi-normal. I mean, you got the honey, you've got the, you know, the food cooking and roasting on it, all going into one. And that was like the most elaborate machine. I, that's why I think the rest of it's just trying to throw those people off. I don't know, man. I just, I have to believe that he's just <laughs> feeding the world trash. <laughs> and they You could be it. right. I will give you... You could be right, but right. I just really want to hold on to that for myself. Right. To do it. Because now, like, I just watch people eat Willy Wonka's candy, and it's just, you just laugh at them because it's like, <laughs> you're eating a shoe. <laughs> nice. And you don't even know it. Oh, man. Willy Wonka, the original member of Jackass. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's funny. Yeah, like I said, he had, just has a way of, at that point from there on in, after they lose Augustus Gloop, everybody is on their toes. Ah, speaking Except of for Mike TV. Augustus, man. Yeah. No, help, stop, please. <laughs> uh, I love that Willy Wonka is so nonchalant in these scenes as these kids are going to be tortured. He's just like, eh. The thing is, is that each each time something happens to him, he warns them before it happens. This is going to happen to you. Yeah. And they just don't give a crap. They just do what they want. So at that point, he just doesn't care. Also, the chocolate river, that was real chocolate. So they really made a chocolate river. So they put water, chocolate powder, and they even put cream in it. And so they said... When the lights and everything, the heat of the light, uh-huh. it just stunk up the whole soundstage. It had to have. <laughs> oh, man. As cool as that concept is, but you know they had to film in there for hours and hours just dealing with stinky cream water. Ugh. Yeah, so Michael Bolner, the kid who played Augustus, Mm-hmm. He explained that at one point while they were shooting, they poured more cocoa powder into it to try and thicken it up, but it didn't really work. They wanted the river to be like thick, like chocolate. Right. They really wanted that chocolate river to look like a thick chocolate river. And instead it turned out looking like really nasty water that you wouldn't want to touch with a 10 meter cattle prod. Right. Well, and the best part about it is, is he had to actually like, drink it and fall in it and swim around that guy probably hated chocolate for a while after that oh oh and the and the oopa loopa who was steering uh-huh. the boat uh-huh he thought he was really steering and the director didn't want to tell him because he wanted the he wanted him to believe that he was actually steering the boat when the boat was really just on a track <laughs> oh that's funny 
This guy, Mel Stewart, he's hilarious. Yeah, he is quite the character. He had to have been to pull this movie off the way he did. Oh, gotta be. But he did a great job with it, man. I, I give the guy a lot of credit. The the girl who played uh, Veruca Salt, mm-hmm. at one point in the candy room, she's got this watermelon-sized chocolate egg that she's, like, bashing on a rock. Uh-huh. The rock was real, and so she, like, hurt her knee on it, I guess. Right. You can actually see the bloody stocking in there if you look closely. Oh, crap. Yeah. And she even says in an interview, she even said that she still has a scar on her knee from that injury. (laughs) So you got to be careful of smashing watermelon-sized chocolate eggs on rocks. Right. The dangers of eating chocolate. (laughs) That's how it goes. So the movie was shot in Munich, Germany. Uh Uh-huh. And at the time, there weren't a lot of little people or dwarves around. That were enacting. Right. It's so it wasn't easy for them to get dwarves to play Oompa Loompas. Many of the people who were cast as Oompa Loompas didn't even speak English fluently at all. Mm-hmm. That makes uh, sense because, man, their mouths don't track. That, that's, that's the point. When you watch it, you can see that their mouths don't fit with the song, and that's because they don't really know what they're singing during those musical numbers. <laughs> uh, I'm glad, yeah, because man, but there, I just you roll with it. Yeah, there were nine men, and there was one woman in the cast of the Upalupas, and they were most of them were circus performers from England and Turkey. Mm-hmm. And it's said that a lot of them were heavy drinkers. And so they would get rowdy uh-huh. during the shoots or after the shoots. And they would start playing pranks on other cast members over the course of shooting the film. As if they weren't were pranking them in the film anyway. Right, exactly. They were always around messing with these kids and cleaning up their dead bodies. Right. Taking them to places to get fixed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So one of the pranks that was talked about was in in those days when you wanted to have your shoes shined, you'd leave them outside your hotel door. And one night the Oompa Loompa actors grabbed all the shoes that were put out in the hotel. They tied all the laces together and left them in a pile to be found in the morning. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And there's a reason why the Oopaloopas are orange with green hair. Oh, do tell. In the book, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, mm-hmm. Doll based the Oopaloopas on African pygmies. Oh, wow. Yes. Wonka finds them in a jungle and ships them back to England in crates. Oh. <laughs> the NAACP was upset about this. They were big fans of of how this was put in the book. Mm-hmm. So the director and the designers of the film decided to make the Oopaloopa skin orange and have their hair green in order to alleviate concerns about racism. It's probably a smart idea. <laughs> it's a very smart idea. Even back then, it would not have gone over well at all. No, it would not be well received. Nope. So, remember in the film? Mm-hmm. Of course you do. You just watched it. Yeah. In the film, there's that scene where Violet chews the gum, and she starts blowing up like a blueberry. And her yeah. skin Violet. starts... Violet, Violet, Violet. Yeah. Well, the actress... Had a rough time with this on several different levels. Okay. First of all, when she blows up in the giant blueberry suit and the uh, Oompa Loompas get her down and start rolling her around on the ground, mm-hmm. they didn't have a good sense of direction or where her head was at because <laughs> when they roll her through the door, 
Uh, they whacked it on the side of the door. <laughs> oh, no. I mean, they're too busy getting drunk at night and stealing people's shoes. I expect them to know where her head's at. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and after that was the last scene she shot. And after she shot it, she went back home uh-huh. and was just living a normal life, right? So she's back right. at school. She's in class with her friends. And her face started to turn blue. What? Yeah. So what was happening is the makeup that was used on her started resurfacing through her skin. Oh, no. Like out of her pores? Out of her pores. And so she was like, she explained, she's like, I was scrubbing and scrubbing it. And it just would come off. And then when it did come off, it would come back. And she explained that this happened over the course of 30 hours her skin was seeping out blue makeup from the from the film man what a nightmare that must have been (laughs) oh my gosh anybody around her when she they saw it happening that had to be scary well no well that's the thing it's she was in class when it happened and so like her (laughs) friend looked at her it's like you're turning violet violet oh that line will never never leave her that's fantastic. Oh, it's just crazy. That her friend didn't say that because obviously the movie hadn't come out yet. But her friend was like, uh, you're turning blue. <laughs> See, these are the little things that we did. Could you imagine about. like the panic that would set in? Right. Because you wouldn't know. You're just a kid and you would have no idea what is going on. All of a sudden, your skin just like starts dispelling blue makeup. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. So what happened with the kids? I mean... Is there any other crazy kid things that happen on set? Um, the kid that played Mike TV. Yep. He was a prankster. He was a prankster on the set. So he's he he was always like doing crazy stuff. And I recently watched in prepping for this, I watched one of the documentaries on the film. Uh-huh. The one I watched was called After They Were Famous. Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory, and it brings and it brings all the original cast back, all the kids back as adults to the shooting locations and all that stuff, and they share their experiences. And that I found that on YouTube and thought that was kind of fun, so I watched that. But yeah, so the kid that played Mike TV, he was apparently just he said he was playing pranks. He explained he was just causing hijinks the whole time. So at one point in the inventing room, mm-hmm. if you watch it, there's this thing of bees. There's like a tub of bees in it. Okay. There's like a shot. And when of, they're making the gum. Yeah. The hive up there. Yeah. Okay. So apparently Mike TV let the bees out on purpose. <laughs> that, I shouldn't laugh, but that's funny. You know, there's people that are allergic, but I mean, it's definitely something I would have done. Yeah, <laughs> you definitely oh, would have. I could totally see you doing that, Billy. <laughs> the other thing in the inventing room that I just want to get my hands on is that exploding candy for your enemies. Yes. I love that my TV ate it. It just blew up. <laughs> Absolutely. Like it knocked him back a good 10 feet. It's so funny. I'm surprised no one's invented exploding candy. Bring it on, man. Pop rocks just aren't doing it these days. We need like <laughs> real exploding candy. I gave my kids pop rocks for the first time the other day. And yes, they were expecting a little bit more. It was crazy, but they were expecting a little bit more. <laughs> so another thing that happened in the movie, uh-huh. there's that scene where they're moving on. It's just Mike TV and his mom. It's Willy Wonka. And then it's, Charlie and Grandpa Joe, and they get to that Wonka-mobile. Yep. And they start kind of doing their thing. They're not going very far. It's not a long drive. Wonka's just like, hey, take a ride in my crazy, weird Wonka-mobile. And as they're riding in it, it starts spitting out foam out of these giant horns, and the foam is getting all over their bodies. It's getting in their mouths. It's getting all over the place. Uh-huh. That foam 
was made from fire extinguishers, uh, which is a potent skin irritant. Oh. And so the actors were left in considerable discomfort when their skin puffed up and reportedly <laughs> required several days to receive medical treatment and recovery. Oh my gosh. I mean, yeah, I'm sure there wasn't much OSHA involved at that time. They were just trying to get the best shot they could. Well, it's like, what keeps this sucks. great looking foam? They're like, how about these fire extinguishers? Great idea. Let's do it. Okay. And Mel Stewart, the director's like, I don't care. Mel Stewart didn't care about anything. And then he's just, he was just as crazy as Gene Wilder as the director. Right. They're just going to do what they want. He just, he's like, I don't care what anybody thinks. I'm doing what I want. Talking about people who don't give a crap in the scene, you know, right before they all go into the, into the chocolate factory, you know, they're all standing there. All the prize winners are standing together, all happy and go lucky. Um, at one point, dude, they do a close up of Charlie's face and you have grandpa Joe's hands on his shoulders. Yeah. Have you noticed that his pinky nails are much longer than the rest of his nails? I have seen pictures of that. Yes. So I'm starting grandpa to Grandpa Joe, as we grandpa said before, Joe. is a shady fella. <laughs> grandpa Joe, that wasn't the first time he was up and walking. That dude's got a Coke habit. He's got a tobacco habit. He's going out and stealing candy bars. Grandpa Joe is, he's definitely the the most uh, <laughs> underrated dark character in the whole movie. Yeah. And so for those of you who don't know, like the nails he's talking about, you know, back in back in the day when, when cocaine was a big thing, Ugh. they grew their, they grew their, their nails out so they could sniff up the cocaine. And, and Grandpa Joe was uh, sporting those nails. Yeah, he's, he, he's part of that culture. He wasn't just, trying to hide it. No, absolutely not. <laughs> he made sure people knew this is what I'm about. Well, you know, considering he had to like, I mean, think about it. He's been bedridden all of these years, right? How many years right. has he been bedridden? 20 years. 20 years. Yep. He hasn't gotten out of that bed. And then all of a sudden... He jumps up and starts singing and dancing like it was nothing. Right. Did he go under his covers before that to take a little hit? Nobody's really paying attention to the old dude laying in the bed. No one's looking at them. Man, <laughs> I guarantee you there's all sorts of weirdness going on in that bed that we never saw. But <laughs> Thanks, I don't even want to think about Billy. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And so apparently cocaine was one of them. Grandpa George, Grandpa there. Joe, Grandma Georgina, and Gra what was the other? Grandma Josephine. And Grandma Josephine. They were all old people doing cocaine. As well they should. <laughs> so, uh, anything else you got from behind the scenes on this bad boy? Yes. Yes. Uh, kind of an interesting side note. There's a Boeing 707 shown in the film. Uh-huh. Having Wonka bars unloaded. And it was named Jet Clipper Climax. Okay. That's a name. Yep. So this this airplane was shown in the movie and it was later destroyed in a crash in Bali, Indonesia in 1974, where 107 lives were lost. Oh, dang. So you want to talk about movie curses like poltergeist and things like that. I mean, that's sad, dude. It is sad. Totally. But just, yeah. it's weird that you're seeing it and then you hear what happened and it's just like, whoa, what? Like one of those things that's just hard to kind of- Hard to imagine. Hard to compute. Right. Out of all the kids in the movie, mm -hmm. the only one that kept acting afterwards was Julie Don Cole. And she was the one who played Veruca. Veruca Salt. Yep. Yep. Peter Ostrom never acted. Mike TV. Uh, Peter Ostrom is what a veterinarian. Yep, he was done after that. That was it. That was his one and only thing. Everyone else, I think, uh, the guy who played Mike TV went on to do various jobs within the entertainment industry, but never really acted again. Uh huh. Uh, he was like casting and administration work stuff like that. No one else really did anything after that. I think uh, what 
the girl who played Violet, she just ended up moving to Colorado and is a single mom with a son. That's it, huh? That's it. I mean, once you've done Willy Wonka, I mean, what is else, what else is there to do? Yeah. You've, you've reached the pinnacle. It is kind of funny, though. Uh, in that documentary I watched, mm-hmm. both the both the girls in the group mm-hmm. had crushes on Peter Ostrom. Of course. So they were always, yeah. like, fine for his attention. Yeah. And he was Charlie. He was the main guy. He's the main dude. Right. For all they knew, he was going to grow up and be, like, Academy Award winning actor. Yeah, jump on while it's early. I know earlier I talked about doing a spinoff of The Candyman. Mm-hmm. But one spinoff that I'm way more interested in seeing uh-huh. is the origin story of Slugworth. I want to know where this guy came from. He's got the scars on his face. He's a creepy dude. It looks like he's, you know, lived quite the life. Like, right. when I look at Slugworth, I also kind of can't help but think of Alfred from Batman. Right. And I just want to know what his background is because I know he's this badass, like, mercenary. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> that Wonka has hired. He's a badass mercenary that wa- Willy Wonka has hired to work for him. How do you think all these secrets kept, you know... So tight, so so closed, so secret. You got a guy like Slugworth, a.k.a. Mr. Wilkinson. And I believe that's his name, too. I mean, there's no first name. It's just Mr. Wilkinson. Yeah. That's how he's referred to. Exactly. There's something there. There's a background story there. And I want to see that backstory. And if I don't get to see it, then I guess we'll just have to do it ourselves. That sounds like a challenge. I love it. Anyway. Billy. Yes, sir. We always like to end these episodes with quotes from the movie. And there are so many freaking amazing quotes from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. So many. But it wasn't hard for me to choose mine because it's kind of one of those things that has like really always inspired me Mm -hmm. in my life. Since I've seen this movie, it's just one of those quotes that like really like grabs me and like motivates me. Yes. And that quote is, we are the music makers and we are the dreamers of dreams. And I just love that so much. And that's my quote for this movie. And that would have been my quote too, but you got there before me. But my second favorite, all time favorite, I always die laughing every time I hear it, is when Augustus Gloop is stuck in the pipe. And the, he starts talking about the tremendous pressure that must be building behind him. And just in the most playful, innocent, childlike reaction, he says, the suspense is terrible. I hope it'll last. That's fantastic. He doesn't care that this kid got caught in a pipe because he told the kid, hey, stay away. Now let's see what happens. I know this kid is like drowning under chocolate water. <laughs> he just didn't care. He's like trudges it off like it's nothing. Right, right, right. It's like watching a movie for him. He told the kid, don't do it. Now he's going to have to go clean everything. So, I mean, he's just loving the fact that this kid's getting a little bit of torture for being a jerk. (laughs) Anyway, it's been fun talking about Willy Wonka. If you haven't watched this movie in a while, go watch it. It's just going to blow your socks off with its greatness. It definitely makes a day a little bit better. It does. Our time. It makes your life just a little bit brighter. It's just every bit of dialogue that comes out of Gene Wilder's mouth is gold in this movie. So just for that alone, go watch it. Again and again Again. and again. It doesn't hurt to feel a little bit of that childlike fun in your life for just a little bit. Exactly. But if you like our podcast, go ahead and like it, subscribe. Leave us a review. Give us suggestions on how we can improve. Give us suggestions on movies that you want us to talk about. Because there's, there's a, or or video games or TV shows or whatever. Give us something to talk about. We'll we'll put it on our list. We've got a list. Also, if there's anything that we've missed that you want to share with us on the movies we've already talked about, 
share them with us. I want to know. Thanks for listening. Everybody have a great day or night, depending on when you're listening to this. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And we love you guys. We'll talk to you soon. Goodbye. Goodbye.